Welcome back, everybody, to Story Symbol Spirit, a podcast on how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Jackie Mitchell. Jackie, how are you today? I'm doing great. Very important question for you about your childhood before we get going. Oh, my gosh. Okay. How, as you went through school, was your reading comprehension? Very good. You're I was good, good at reading. Yeah. You're a good reader. So Math, less so, but I was really good at reading. So we never had to do like hooked on phonics or anything like that? No. Mm-mm. Well, that's good because I'm going to have you read about 400 Hebrew <laughs> names today. We're going to really test my... As we, as <laughs> well, we okay. get into the genealogy say, of Esau. I know English pronunciations. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't learn Hebrew pronunciations or or dialects, so that might wow. not come in handy. I thought you were well-educated. <laughs> I thought I was too until now. <laughs> I thought you went to Christian schools. Well, I, didn't I know, but Hebrew? I said paradigm that one time, <laughs> well, so there's no way to know. You should have known my phonics can't be that good. That was, I thought, some kind of like aneurysm or something. Was <laughs> I think happening. it was. It felt like it. What was the word yesterday? You had a word yesterday that you were I know, like, I just what couldn't did say I just it. say? What was I trying to say? Mm-hmm. It was a word. We were talking about curriculum and I like couldn't say the word at all. Yeah. It's like, you know, half iced tea, half lemonade. You know how, what they call that? Yeah. I can't say that. Say it. I, it's like really hard for me. It's Arnold like it gets like what are you doing say it Arnold Palmer like in like it's why like, are you doing I don't that? know Robert and Bryce always make me Arnold say Palmer? it Arnold Palmer yeah it just like it like, gets you're caught saying, um, for some reason you're saying Arnold. Arnold. Know, like, can you Arnold. just say Arnold Arnold I Not actually really, think that's actually. the problem you I actually think that is I think Palmer is fine I think it's the oh, Arnold oh Jackie alright well you can't hardly say Arnold but here we go for and like and today 40, you're gonna have to say 40 names you know a Holly Bama 15 times so alright well that's because we're on Genesis 36, right? Day. This is the genealogy of Esau. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen in the past with genealogies, these are things we tend to skip, and yet they're very, very important, mm-hmm. right? How many times have we gone back and referenced the table of nations? Actually, or quite a lot, yeah. The sons of Shem and the mm-hmm. sons of Ham. And uh, mm-hmm. so so th- there's always something that's being communicated with these genealogies. And so today uh, we're going to dive into this. And hopefully, it, you know, it's interesting. And mm-hmm. I actually think that it's, it, like the way that a lot of times it's in the Bible is that it's predictive. Mm-hmm. So something about what we're reading today is telling us something about what we're going to read later. Mm-hmm. And so just to recap, last week we finished up Genesis 35. And so a lot happened in that chapter. It actually took us two episodes to, to cover that. Yeah, uh, It was a pretty short chapter, but but very dense. And so what, what was kind of your summary of Genesis 35? Where do we stand now mm-hmm. as we go into the genealogy of Esau? So Jacob returned back to Bethel. And he built altars and kind of re-upped the covenant or or God reminded him that the covenant was still through him Mm -hmm. and his sons, right? Um, And then they buried Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, who we didn't really know much about. Right. Um, Kind of as an uh, homage to Rebecca. Yeah, it was really just like an honoring of Rebecca. Um, And then Benjamin was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that, consequently, Rachel died in childbirth. Um, and so then there was the the death and burial of her. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the death and burial of Isaac, who was what, 180 when he mm-hmm. died, something like that. Yeah. So he was pretty old. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of felt like the passing on to the next generation. We said by the end, it was like one yeah. of the last, like, like of that generation. Yeah. And so this whole story with Jacob so far, what has kind of, you know, I guess what has kind of been the central conflict He's like, he's always in conflict with people yeah. and God. And he's like either running from right. or fighting with people. Yeah. So there's this kind of idea of like struggling. Yeah. And, um, in terms of, in terms of people, you know, his main rival uh, on the surface, I would say maybe the main antagonist was, was Laban. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But really all of that had to do with Esau. 
Yeah, because he wouldn't have really yeah. gone over to Laban had he Because he went there because of yeah. that, right? So um, so when he's burying his father, this this pivotal moment of burying, you know, one of the patriarchs of the covenant, who's with him? Mm, Esau is. Yeah. They're, re- they're reconnected. So we saw that moment yeah. where they reconciled, but then we didn't see Esau for a couple mm-hmm. chapters. And now we see that they're actually reconciled mm-hmm. because they're burying their father together. And so the question now is... Uh, what happens to Esau mm. and his descendants, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why we we go into this genealogy. And so one of the things that I just kind of want the the listeners to understand as we go through this is that Isaac is this Isaac is the son of the promise from Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. And then Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Esau is the covenant carrier. Jacob is. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Jacob is the yeah. covenant carrier. Esau is the oldest, but yes, he's not. But he didn't, yeah, steward his covenant stewardship well. Right. So the main point of the story so far is that the covenant goes through Jacob. Mm -hmm. And so consequently the covenant does not go through Esau, Mm -hmm. but Esau is his twin brother. And so what happens to Esau and the descendants that come from him are going to become very important to the the story. Right. And much of the rest of, you know, much of the history of Israel has to do with their dealings with and interactions with Edom, who's Mm -hmm. the country that, that comes from, from Esau. And so, uh, we're going to get into the genealogy here. And just as we can imagine, based on the stories that we've read so far, the genealogies we've read so far, there's always more than, than go, yeah. is going on in the surface. And so let's, uh, let's get started. Let's just begin with um, the first verse okay. of Genesis 35. This is the account of the family line of Esau, that is Edom. Yeah, sorry, uh, this is Genesis 36. Um, I said 35. Oh, that's that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. You're good. Um, okay. So this is the account of the family line of Esau. That is Edom. So just quickly, it's worth noting some things as we get started. And we're not going to go line by line. We'll, we'll go a little bit quicker <laughs> after this. But this is the account of the family line of Esau is actually not a very wooden translation. Mm-hmm. And you see this whenever you, you read a genealogy. What the sentences always actually say is these are the generations mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. right? So even... Um, in Genesis, right? These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. Oh, right? yeah. Um, and so that's actually somewhat important, I think, because uh, to uh, a generation, like what's the root word of that? Yeah, generate. To generate, yeah. yeah. So something is being generated, yes. right? So the world, the heavens and the earth are generated by God. Mm-hmm. And then the image of God is told to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And so the generations that come from, from the, the image of God uh, is, is very important. And so when God chooses uh, Abraham, one of the promises has to do with the generations that will come from him, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so he's going to have have children. And uh, I think in our modern world, we call it reproducing, yeah, which is like a computer term. Yeah. That's like a very strange, like material term, right? Yeah. Uh, I think a better word is procreate. Yeah. But an even better word is to generate, right? How does a child happen? A mom and a dad generate that child. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because it's a living being. It's yeah. not like a, a code that yeah, you that can you reproduce, <laughs> copy paste, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, these are the generations of, of Esau. And just, uh, you know, we, since we've spent over a year in the book of Genesis, uh, it's, it's, it's important to note probably that Genesis is called Genesis because that's the same root, mm-hmm. right? It's the beginning of the generation of both the created world in totality, but also redemptive history through Abraham and his, his chosen offspring. And so uh, here are the generations of Esau. This is really the last that we hear from Esau. Yeah. And so, like I said, we'll hear a lot from his offspring, Edom, which is the country 
or, or I guess a, a better way to say that is the the people group that come from him. Mm-hmm. And throughout the Old Testament, we'll hear from them a lot. But Esau himself, I think this is the last time, if, if mm-hmm. I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And so, like I said, just remember as we go forward that part of the theme of this story with Jacob is the negative aspect that it's not Esau. Mm-hmm. So his life shows this clearly from the time that he gives up his birthright for a bowl of soup. Mm-hmm. And as I've mentioned, I don't necessarily think that Esau is bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he's, you know, damned, which is sometimes uh, some of the stuff that you hear when, when, when people try to talk about, you know, his status, but he's not the seed. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're going to see as we go forward with Edom, the country or the, the people group that come from him is that there's going to be a juxtaposition between Israel and Edom, mm. just like there's a juxtaposition mm-hmm. between Jacob and Esau, yeah. right? Because these are their descendants. That's going to be highlighted. That's going to be emphasized. And so it's kind of interesting. Um, the the book of the Bible that you named your cat after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely not Obi-Wan Kenobi, right. the well, Star I Wars character. That, so I, uh, I'm uh, free of guilt from that. <laughs> Obadiah is only one chapter. Yeah. And do you know what that chapter is about? Mm-hmm. It's about the judgment of Edom. Yeah. Right. And the judgment is set up in such a way that it, it very um, specifically contrasts Edom with Israel, mm-hmm. just like we see Esau contrasted with Jacob mm-hmm. throughout this story. And so now, uh, now I'm going to ask you to basically for the rest of the episode, read names that are very difficult to read. Yeah. And so let's do it's okay. 36, <laughs> two through five. Esau took his wives from the women of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite and Oholabama daughter of Anna and granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, also Basemath, daughter of Ishmael, and sister of Nebaioth. Adah bore Eliphaz to Esau, Basemath bore Riel, and Oholabama bore Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in Canaan. Good job, That Jackie. wasn't too bad, Not huh? too bad, not too bad. Um, so this is kind of a review mm-hmm. of the wives of, of Yeah, of that... Esau. Uh, that that grieved Isaac and Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, and so um, Ada. So there's two Canaanites, right? Mm-hmm. And these are the women that grieved the parents. Yeah, the, it said that he took multiple Canaanite wives, yeah. and it was really upsetting to his parents. Yeah, and like you know, <clears throat> as you remember the story with with Jacob was that he got sent to um, Rebecca's mm-hmm. relatives because he was not to take Canaanite wives. Yeah, she right? wanted him to find a wife. So part of the the contrast between Jacob and Esau has to do with this, right? Esau yeah. immediately intermarries with the Canaanites, which mm-hmm. as we're going to see throughout the history of the Bible, um, that's that's problematic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so there's Adah, who's a Hittite. Mm-hmm. Adah means ornament. Mm-hmm. And a holy Bama, which is... Uh, <laughs> quite the name. Quite the name. Uh, and that, that actually means uh, tent of the high place. Oh. Which is kind of interesting because what we're going to get to in... The, the story of the kingdoms um, when we get into that is that the high places are where people worship the false gods, mm-hmm. right? So they set up, you know, altars or whatever on high places and, and they worship their gods. And so a holy Bama uh, tent mm-hmm. of the high place was a Hivite. So he's married a Hittite and he's married a Hivite. And then, and then we talked about this a little bit when it happened in the story, but then he marries Basimath, mm-hmm. uh, which means fragrance or spice. And that's a daughter of Ishmael, right? right? Yeah, right. And why so that's kind of in the family. Yeah. So why did we say that was important? It's kind of like his move towards reconciliation with his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of see this like kind of move towards Esau 
back to God as he reconciles with Jacob, right? Like the problem is he's going to kill Jacob and he's grieving his parents with, with these Canaanite wives. So the first thing he does is he goes and he takes a wife of the family, yeah. right? From, from the fam, from the, <laughs> one of the daughters of Ishmael. Then he ends up reconciling with Jacob. Mm-hmm. Then he ends up burying Isaac. With, yeah. And so you see this reconciliation, but because we're humans, a lot of times this stuff happens in stages, right? It happens mm-hmm. in development. And so his, Marriage to uh, Mrs. Fragrance or Spice, Fragrance. Uh, math is is I think a move towards that, right? Yeah. So then we come to the sons that he, that that are born, and so there's Eliphaz, Reuel, Jeush, and Jalem, and these were the sons of, of of Esau. And as we've seen, you know, as a man who's a potential king, your sons are very important to who you are and what yeah. will become of you. And so uh, these are Esau's sons. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're going to kind of keep going through the family line if we if we move on. So let's do six or eight. Esau took his wives and sons and daughters and all the members of his household, as well as his livestock and all his other animals and all the goods he had acquired in Canaan and moved to a land some distance from his brother Jacob. Their possessions were too great for them to remain together. The land where they were staying could not support them both because of their livestock. So Esau, that is Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. All right. So this is one of the things that's beautiful about what we're doing. Do do you start to recognize a pattern or yes. like a re, what does this seem like? What's this, this an is echo of? Abraham and Lot. The land wasn't big enough where they were staying for for how much they had the livestock, their households. Exactly. That's why they had to separate. Exactly. So I believe it's Gen, uh, Genesis thirteen six. It says, "But the land could not support them while they stayed together, mm-hmm. for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together." That's almost yeah. exactly yeah what you just read about Jacob and Esau, the the descendants, and so Lot goes to Sodom. Mm-hmm. And Esau goes to Sair. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, <laughs> tragic story with Lot, really. Yeah. I mean, he gets rescued from from Sodom, but he ends up with two children via incest. Yeah. And uh, those two children are Moab and Ammon. Mm-hmm. And so the Moabites and the Ammonites and the rest mm-hmm. of the story, I think, can kind of be seen as an extension of Sodom, yeah. right? Because um, the very kind of like immoral sexual practices that were part of what Sodom and Gomorrah were judged for, mm-hmm. that kind of thing then happens in the cave mm-hmm. with Lot and mm-hmm. his daughters who, who were rescued and they produce the the beginnings of these these Canaanites. Mm-hmm. And those Canaanites are an extension of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think. And so perhaps the Edomites are gonna kind of be the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, because now we see a split again between the seed and the the relative. Mm-hmm. And so here Esau departs from the land of Canaan. And so that's just kind of an interesting thing to note, right? That he leaves the land of Canaan. And what does that kind of mean in terms of their family? Well, Canaan's now kind of Jacob. Yeah. So Jacob comes into Canaan. Mm-hmm. Esau goes out of Canaan, which is... The, a move that is consistent with the promise of God yeah. because that's the promise, the land of Canaan. That's part of what the seed is supposed to get. And so uh, here, here's the theme that we're going to see in this chapter. And that I think when I say that Esau foreshadows Israel, this is part of what I mean. Esau got the land first, mm. but ultimately it's given to Jacob. Mm. And so um, the the wicked or the counterfeit or those not in the promises of God oftentimes get, the promises of God or what seemed like the promises of God first, yeah. right? How many of the Psalms, because we've been yes. reading a lot of the Psalms yeah. as, as a staff, how many of the Psalms are about like, God, we, like, will you please not let the wicked prosper forever? Yes, so many. They mock you and here they are successful yeah. with milk and honey and livestock and yeah. all this stuff. 
And so this is a very important biblical theme, but here, here we, we see it, right? Um, our sight tends to be short. And so when we see somebody being blessed right now, we immediately in our minds put together that that's how it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you see this sometimes psychologically, like with your job, you know, where if you're having a hard time at your job, one of the reasons that we struggle so bad with the situation like that is because in our minds, it's hard for us to understand that it might not always be like that. Yeah. So you're in a tough position. Maybe you're in a tough position in a relationship, like in a marriage, or you're in a tough position at your job. And the reason it's so hard is because we're kind of like, well, this is probably never going to get better or change. Yes. Yeah. And of course it's going to change, right? Like you can't promise it's going to get better, but of course how something is today is not how it's Changes. always going to be. Yeah, of course. But it's hard for us to see. Absolutely. And so when we see the wicked or those who are not, you know, those who are not promised the inheritance of God receive what seems like the inheritance of God's very hard for us. Yeah. I also think it speaks to something we've talked a lot about just in like the nature of our, our like, mortal nature mm-hmm. that things seem so urgent to us. Yeah. And then later in the Psalms, David starts to say like, you know, but the wicked really do get their reward mm-hmm. in the end mm-hmm. and they really do end up right. being judged. Right. But it seems like in the moment you, we want that instant gratification of like, I did this good thing. So give me this good thing yeah, right yeah. now, you know? Yeah. And it's like a lot of times it, it would seem more intuitive to us if it was like, Oh, this person's wicked. So they get, punished. Yeah. And what usually actually tends to happen is that being wicked, being, you know, shrewd, dishonest, those things actually tend to be very successful in short-term gain. Yeah. Right? Like you can just if you're like a like a sociopath and have no conscience, mm-hmm. you can like get a lot from somebody in the short term. Yeah. What eventually happens to that relationship? It, it deteriorates. Right. Yeah, and so that's that is the that is the pattern of humanity, mm-hmm. right? And so if you know you see somebody who you think is, I don't know, uh, I hesitate to use the word bad person because of because we don't make the right nature yeah. either, and we're all yeah, and we we're all have a sin nature, you know, yeah. in that way bad. But if you see somebody who you think is acting wickedly, but they're like being rewarded for it, yeah, you know. Uh, Vengeance belongs to the Lord, yeah. right? That That's not a, a, a long-term thing, but we're going to see this a bunch in this chapter where mm-hmm. we're going to look at the descendants of Esau and we're going to be like, a lot of what happened to Esau and the Edomites, who mm-hmm. is de- explicitly not the covenant carriers, mm-hmm. they actually get the rewards of God first, but mm-hmm. then they end up vacating that yeah. and giving it back to Jacob, which is kind of how the blessing of Jacob worked and it's how yeah. Jacob's life has worked, right? It's like... Uh, um, kind of seems like Laban was prospering. Yes, right? that's exactly it. He seemed like he was going to win forever. Yeah, he's and extracting sudden, cheap labor. He's got yeah. all these sheep. And, this and in Jacob, a miraculous way, Jacob still was given what he was promised. It's his inheritance, yeah. right? And so just keep that in mind as, as we go forward, because that's going to continue to be a theme. Let's mm-hmm. do the next three verses, nine through 12. This is the account of the family line of Esau, the father of the Edomites Four in verses. the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Adah, and Reuel, the, sons, the son of Esau's wife, Basemath, the sons of Eliphaz, Timon, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kanaz. Esau's son, Eliphaz, also had a concubine named Timnah, who bore him Amalek. These were the grandsons of Esau's wife, Adah. Yeah, I, I was listening to a commentary of, uh, uh, by James Jordan. Uh-huh. 
and, who I reference a lot. And he he calls, you said Taman, he he calls him the whole time T-Man. T-Man. <laughs> Which just makes me think of like someone's nickname, like a guy T-Man, named Tyler, you yeah. call him T-Man. So yeah, we've got the the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau. And so there's some interesting names. Um, first of all, Eliphaz, I believe shows up in the book of Job. Mm, the um, name? The name. Not El- the same guy. The, yeah, I right, assume. exactly. Yeah. The name Eliphaz shows up in Job. And uh, I think he's the first friend to speak. Mm. And he does not do well no. in representing Yahweh, <laughs> no. right? None of the friends None do. Of the but friends but really his do, is particularly but, like yeah. quite quite bad. And so it doesn't say that he's an Edomite mm. or that he's from the line of this Eliphaz, but I actually think that's a reasonable assumption, sure. right? Because okay. these family names get passed along yeah. like that. And uh, so perhaps that's like another kind of biblical uh, um, what what does Tim Mackey call them? Literary ninjas, yeah. the biblical authors, because there's just these little hyperlinks yeah. everywhere. And perhaps that Eliphaz who shows up yeah. to to because um, um, not not all of the people in the Book of Job are Israelites. Correct, yeah. right from from the line, yeah, like so. they're they're. So it doesn't say that it's Eliphaz the Edomite, but you know the original Eliphaz was an Edomite, and Could so perhaps to, that's like a little to a little their understanding of God or their relationship with God, and kind of like yeah. an, another juxtaposition yes. or negative connotation yeah. of Esau and his offspring. Mm-hmm. Then there's uh, Kenaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the sons of Kenaz are going to be the Kenizzites. Mm. So there's there's a very famous Kenizzite in the Bible. Do you know who it is? Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. And so who's Caleb? He is. Um, he's not. In, he's not a priest, is he? No, he's like. Um, but he's something similar. Yeah. So and like, I can't. Yeah. So so like Mo, Moses is like not technically the king, but kind of. Yeah. Right. So Moses' successor is Joshua. Yes. And Joshua's kind of right-hand man is Caleb. Is Caleb, Caleb. yes. Who's not an Israelite. Yes. So, oh, so, I didn't know he wasn't an Israelite. He's a Kenizzite, oh, right? okay. So Joshua is the one who takes Israel into the promised land and the one standing at his right hand is yes. actually a non-lineage yeah. Israelite, right? Now, one of the things we've emphasized in, in the story so far is that if you worship Yahweh, you're an Israelite. Yes, right? yeah. And, so he and, is in that sense. So he yeah. is in that sense. But, but, in terms of heritage, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, physically, he's he's a Kenizzite. Mm. And the, the Kenizzites, it seems like joined, you know, some of them joined the wandering Israelites as they came out of slavery. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily that they were delivered from slavery, but that the families joined this wandering tribe. Mm-hmm. And Caleb uh, actually represents Edom standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel. Mm-hmm. So Joshua and Caleb is a picture of what could be. Yeah. Between these true. two nations. Yeah. Right. Like it, the, the, the relationship between Jacob and Esau began in strife, mm-hmm. but then there was kind of a reconciliation yeah. and maybe there's a, a way that these two nations could stand side mm-hmm. by side as mm-hmm. brothers, like they're supposed to. Um, and, and, and of course that's not what ends up happening, Right. but God gives us a picture of what that could look like. And what that could look like is the two men who led Israel into the promised mm-hmm. land. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an interesting idea of, of brotherhood and uh, you know, what, what, what those proper relationships can do. And then I think one of the last names that's mentioned is Amalek. Yeah. Oh, this is bad. That's the Amalekites. Yeah. yeah. So Not good. the Amalekites Not are kind good of the, the main of the rivals yeah. of, of Israel as we move forward. So, so again, you know, these, these names are important. We're not mm-hmm. going to stop and dive into each and every name, but, but just to give a little bit of background, because, um, like we always say, you can skip the genealogies, 
But if you have a lens to view their importance, right, they're actually something that you'll reference over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Because you see Caleb and it's like, well, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Well, who are the Kenizzites? It's like, well, actually, they're sort of related to the Israelites. Yeah. Right? It's from like Esau's the, the brother. So it's almost like Israel is the Kenizzites' uncle. Yeah. And it's nice when you read like biblical stories in Genesis, Exodus, you know, further on in Judges, you'll get, you know, you'll get people who say, well, this is all kind of like, a metaphor, mm. like this is just a story that's made up to teach you a point. But I think the genealogies really clearly point to the fact that that's not true, and that's not what the biblical authors yeah, were saying. Right, right. Be, if it was a, uh, you know, a hyperbole or a, a story just to teach you a lesson, mm-hmm. like a fable, mm-hmm. there'd be no need to have a big genealogy every couple right. chapters in Genesis. Right. And there's also like a thing where it's like you know, bloodlines in a in a uh, physical way material way. They're never pure. Mm-hmm. Right? So like the Kenizzites were not only the descendants of Kenaz. Yeah. Right? But it's a a tribe or mm-hmm. a people group that began with Kenaz. And in this time period, very important to keep that that culture and that name alive for yeah. those people. Like we're from this guy. Right, right. And it's totally possible that like that group by the time we get to Israel has like completely merged with another group. Yeah. And like that's not what the Bible's interested yeah. in, right? And so you have to take this stuff with a grain of salt where, you know, sometimes people will try to like pick at this by, by being like, well, you know, w- w- how many offspring could one person possibly have? And it's like, well, Israel is full of people who are not technically in the the physical yes. lineage of Jacob, yeah. right? They've left with Egyptians and they picked up Kenizzites on the way. Yeah. And, you know, Moses's wife was, uh, uh, what, a Moabite or something? Like, uh, Yeah, something like that. And so like, uh, you know, it, it's not, that's not what it's about, yeah. right? This is much more about worship, God's clan culture. Mm-hmm. So um, let's, let's uh, start to talk about the grandsons. These are the sons of Raul in uh, mm-hmm. 13 and 14. The sons of Raul, Nahath, Zerah, Shema, and Misah. These were the grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Aholabama, daughter of Anna and granddaughter of Zibion, whom she bore to Esau, Jeush, Shalom, and Korah. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So now we're going to just start to talk about numbers for a second. Because mm-hmm. remember, I think that Esau and Jacob are Per, like the and their descendants are purposely put up against each other, mm. and there's mm-hmm. parallels, but there's also differences. Mm-hmm. And so, there's 13 sons and grandsons listed here. Mm. And so, when you add all of those up, there's 13. 13 is an important number because this is a little bit confusing. And I'm actually going to kind of uh, uh, give you a different number later, but just just bear with okay. me. Israel technically has 13 tribes once they settle in the Promised Land. Mm. So there's 12 sons of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. But there's 13 tribes. Do you know where do you know where that comes from? Mm-mm. This is just a Bible quiz question. Oh, I don't know. So so Joseph, there's no tribe of Joseph in the land, right? Mm-hmm. There's two sons of Joseph who who are divided up in the land. So oh, okay. Ephraim and Manasseh mm-hmm. are Joseph's sons. So there's 11 of the sons of 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 Jacob and then Joseph is represented by two tribes by which two are named after tribes. his sons. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? And so, uh, so again, here we have 13 tribes and technically in terms of at least land allotment, once we get into the promised land, Israel has 13. Mm. So there's a parallel between, mm-hmm. between Edom, Esau, and Jacob, Israel. It's interesting. So let's do 15 through 19. These were the chiefs among Esau's descendants, the sons of Eliphaz, the first of Esau, chiefs Taman, Omar, T-Man, T-man sorry, <laughs> Omar, Zipho. 
Kanaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. These are the chiefs descended from Eliphaz and Edom. They were the grandsons of Adah. Mm. The sons of Esau's son, Reuel, chiefs Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the chiefs descended from Reuel and Edom. They were the grandsons of Esau's wife, Basimath. The sons of Esau's wife, Aholabama, chiefs Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Aholabama, daughter of Anah. They were the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and they were, and these were their chiefs. It kind of upsets me that you're kind of good at reading these names, but you can't say Arnold. I I'm not, I don't want to say it again. It's a hard uh, name. Okay. Also, just just another little random, meaningless color. One of the names is Omar. Mm-hmm. My favorite baseball player as a child was Omar Vizquel. Oh, the shortstop of the Cleveland Indians. So you think he was named after um, was I, Omar? I, well, I think it is a biblical. Well, yeah, yeah it is. Name, yeah, right. So I think Could probably, be. but I don't know why you would name him after a, an right. Edomite. So maybe it means something else. It's a. It's it, he's from Venezuela, so it's like a Hispanic name. So know. tell me, these are the same people here that we just talked about. Kind of. But now they're chiefs? Kind of. So they're not all the same people. And so, okay, so chiefs, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a chief? Uh, That's the translation, right? Mm -hmm. But the word's not like entirely clear. And the the Hebrew root word there means thousand. Mm -hmm. So a chief probably means like a a, a ruler or a leader of a thousand, Mm. right? And so in the New Testament, you see a story about a centurion, mm-hmm. right? And so what's a, what does what's century mean? A uh, hundred, right? Yeah, a thousand. Yeah. yeah so 100. a centurion is someone who has command over a hundred people. Okay. That's how the military units yeah. were, were divided up. And so here chief or, or I think, you know, the word that they still use actually in the uh-huh. Middle East is sheik, mm. right? And so um, a chief or a sheik probably has to do with that some mm. kind of command over a thousand people or, or, or mm-hmm. a thousand might be, um, uh, an allegorical number that just means like a lot, mm-hmm. right? So these are kind of the 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 mighty men of of mm. Edom, the chiefs that come from Edom. And so the the first Korah that you read under the sons of Eliphaz mm. is not listed in the original genealogy. Okay. Okay. And so the the guess that I've heard is that this is probably a grandson, maybe of Kenaz. And so there's the thirteen. Mm-hmm. And then plus plus this grandson another uh, uh, another Korah okay right and so that makes fourteen chiefs mm-hmm. and so remember I just said that there were thirteen sons that mm-hmm. matches the thirteen tribes mm-hmm. but in terms of land allotment there's actually fourteen in Israel different land allotments different land allotments. for tribes and uh, uh, this is I'm just giving you Bible quiz questions I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know, know. blow up your spot but do you know why there's actually fourteen different See, land I don't. allotments. So there's 13 sons slash grandsons. Uh-huh. And then have you ever heard of the half tribe of Manasseh? Yeah, I think. So there's there's two allotments for Manasseh. They split them in half? Mm-hmm. So there's actually 14 land allotments in that final. Interesting. You know, they take the promised land and they divide it up. And there's chapter after chapter showing in detail who gets what. And there's actually 14 allotments. Why do they split? Do you know? They don't really say. I mean, well, uh, because um, some of it is actually on the east side of the Jordan River, mm-hmm. right? So the promised land is is uh, west of the Jordan, mm-hmm. go go through the water into the promised land. But some of the tribes decide, or you know, some of them decide mm-hmm. to stay on the outside. And one mm-hmm. of them that stays on the outside is the half tribe of Manasseh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, 14 chiefs, which a chief of a thousand people is probably overseeing an area uh-huh, where those sure. thousand people yeah. live or whatever. Right. 
And so again, with the parallels, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's 14 land allotments in Israel. Seemingly there's 14 land allotments in Edom. Yeah, it's two two nations being pitted against each other, right? So like Esau was the father of nations as well, but just some different nations. Right, right. Um, And so I just, I'm just pointing that out to show that like, Mm -hmm. there's definitely, (laughs) they're purposely um, juxtaposing these two, right? They're Mm -hmm. purposely putting Mm -hmm. these two things up against each other. Esau, Jacob, the descendants of Jacob, the descendants of Esau. Uh, And so now we, we jump to what seems to be a random genealogy of Seir the Horite, Mm. because this is not, this is not about him. This is not about Esau. I mean, yeah, Seir the Horite is, that's where Esau went and settled, Mm -hmm. but, but they're not in the family. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's what, what this looks like. These are the sons of Seir the Horite who were living in the region, Lotan, Shobal, Zibian, Ana, Deshan, Ezer and Deshan. These sons of Seir and Edom were Horite chiefs, the sons of Lotan, Hori, and Homam. Timnah was Lotan's sister. The sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shifo, and Onam. The sons of Zibian, Aiah, and, and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the desert while he was grazing That's the donkeys fact. of his father Zibian. Good, good for him. The children of Anna, Deshan and Oholabama, daughter of Anna. The sons of Deshan, Hamdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Karan. The sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Akan. The sons of Deshan, Uz, and Aran. These are the Horite chiefs, Lotan, Shobal, Zibian, Ana, Deshan, Ezer, and Deshan. These are the Horite chiefs according to their divisions in the lands of Seir. <laughs> Take a breath, Jackie. Woo. And so why do we go through the entire genealogy of the Horites? Well, you could, I mean, first of all, there were some names we knew, mm-hmm. right? That seemed to be intermarried with Esau's descendants, correct? Yeah. Yep, true. Okay, true. so this is kind of like the backstory of the other side of the family. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, what we're going to see is that Esau and his clan conquer these Canaanites. Mm. And this conquest of Canaan happens long before Jacob mm. and the sons of Jacob, Israel, conquer the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at least two centuries before, mm. right? Because we're going to see Joseph and slavery in Egypt and all that before yeah. the conquest happens for the Israelites. And so uh, I just want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter two, verses two through five. Then the Lord said to me, This is to Moses. You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. Give the people these orders. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have Mm -hmm. given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. Mm. So by the time the Israelites wander through Seir, the Edomites have already conquered it and Mm -hmm. they've settled there. And there is a certain reverence that the sons of Jacob are supposed to have for them because that's Jacob's brother. Mm. And uh, the Israelites are supposed to conquer the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who's already conquered some of the Canaanites? Esau. The brother. And so there's actually more detail given in verse 12, uh, just a a few verses later in Deuteronomy. Horites used to live in Sire, but the descendants of Esau drove them out. Mm-hmm. They destroyed the Horites from before them and settled in their place, just as Israel did in the land the Lord gave them mm-hmm. as their own possession. So the Horites used to be there, but now they're not mm-hmm. because the sons of Esau drove them out. Mm-hmm. And so once again, before the Israelites take the inheritance from God, mm-hmm. which is the land of the Canaanites, 
Who has that in their possession before? Esau. The Edomites. Yeah. And so once again, the brother gets it before- The true heir. The true heir. Yeah. And so that that random fact about Anna that I interrupted you about- discovers that hot spring. Yeah, while uh, while he was grazing the donkeys of his father's Zibian, so funny. right? Why is that stuck in there? Well, it seems like they all know it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it seems like at least the biblical authors at the time were writing it, like we would all be like, oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah, I've heard so, that, yeah. <laughs> so like, remember, it's never random. Yeah. You know, like like that that list that you just read mm-hmm. in terms of the Bible seems about as random as you could possibly mm-hmm. be. And, and it's not random. And so this random fact in the middle of this seeming randomness is actually very, I think, uh, is is pointing us to something. Mm -hmm. So what is, you know, there's not really like a word in Hebrew for hot spring. Mm. So you're kind of guessing what this Mm -hmm. means. They know that it has to do with water because the Mm -hmm. root of the word is water. Um, And so Anna uh, discovers some kind of geyser Mm. in the desert, right? Water in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember, or do you know of a future story that we're going to read where someone discovers random water in the desert? The Israelites are wandering in the desert and Moses gets really mad at them, right? Mm -hmm. And this is actually the story um, that leads to Moses not entering the promised land directly, correct? He, because God gives them uh, water through a rock, but it's the way that Moses like says, he he almost attributes it to himself, correct? Is that, I mean, honestly, or something like that. He says, like, look at, all that it says is that like He's God so said, frustrated. say to the rock and Moses gets mad at the people and hits the rock with his cane. Yes. Yeah. 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 And God says, now you also don't get to go in the yeah. promise. I mean, it's quite, quite yes. an interesting yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that we'll unpack when, when we get there. And what that's called Mara, maybe um, that rock, something like that. Yeah. So, so actually there's, there's two stories of this. The mm. first one is like almost immediately when they get out of Egypt mm. and they get thirsty. Okay. And again, water comes from a rock, mm. but the water's bitter. Mm. And so God tells Moses, put that one's Mara, put I this, think. Yeah, yes. put this, I think Mara means bitter. Yeah. Put this in there and it turns sweet, mm-hmm. right? And so the Israelites wander around in the wilderness and get miraculous water mm-hmm. from the ground, from the rock. Uh, and so once again, who gets that first? Mm, the Edomites. Yeah. Interesting. Some guy wandering in the desert with his donkeys, his father's donkeys, he finds... Uh, a hot spring or a geyser. Mm. And uh, so again, like I just think that these are things that if you had memorized the Torah to heart, Mm. you would be able to see this, Yeah, right? We don't because it's so detailed, right? Um, But yeah, so anyways, it's kind of interesting. And then we talked about the chief of Edom. And so so now we move on to talk about the kings in Edom. So Mm -hmm. here here we go again. Um, uh, Let's do 30 through 39. Just some more names. (laughs) more names. These were the kings who reigned in Edom before any Israelite king reigned. Balah, son of Beor, became king of Edom. His city was named Denhaba. When Balah died, Jobab, son of Zerah from Bozrah, succeeded him as king. When Jobab died, Hasham from the land of the Temanites, or Temanites, is <laughs> that? Right. Is, Thank you, that, There's Teman again. Temanites succeeded him as king. When Hasham died, Hadad, son of Badad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, succeeded him as king. His city was named Avith. When Hadad died, Samlah from Mazrakas succeeded him as king. When Samlah died, Shaul, Shaul from Rehoboth on the river succeeded him as king. When Shaul died, Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, succeeded him as king. When Baal Hanan, son of Akbor died, Hadad succeeded him as king. His city was named Pau, and his wife's name was Meth- Mehat- 
Tabal, daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. <laughs> that was the hardest one. That I was felt a like, tough one yeah, end, yeah. I, I do like. I like the city name Pow. Pow. <laughs> um, so, again, this is a, a lot to read, and it kind of seems random and unimportant, but. I think that the point of this genealogy specifically is to point forward Mm -hmm. and to draw a comparison between Israel and Edom, which Mm -hmm. is what we've been talking about. So if we start at the end of this, what you just read, one of the last uh, names that you read uh, was, was uh, Hadad, Mm. right? When Baal Hanan, son of Akbor died, Hadad succeeded him as king. Yeah. And so this is somewhat disputed. And so, you know, I, I, again, this is something I kind of hold with with a light with a light grip. But I, I think this makes sense. in In First Kings eleven, we're we're well into the kingdom of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. After Solomon falls away from God mm-hmm. and starts worshiping other gods, uh, the gods of his wives, it says that God raised up against Solomon an adversary. Mm. Guess who the adversary is? Hadad. Hadad the Edomite mm. from the royal line of Edom. And so I think that's probably the same Hadad that's here. Oh, really? At the end, we're I do. at that many generations down. Yeah, because uh, this is a this is an insertion in the text. Yes, yeah so, yeah, yeah. so we'll talk about why that's not a big deal and why that doesn't matter for the inspiration, right? But this is a later insertion into the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the this specifically, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, there may be gaps or incomplete information here, but. I think it's reasonable to see this foreshadowing Israel's history. The first five kings in Edom, if you kind of map it, correspond to the period of judges in Israel. Mm, before there's actual kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the first king of Israel is who? Saul. And what is the, what's a, what's a good Hebrew pronunciation of Saul? Shaul. 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 Yeah, which actually means the one asked for, mm. which is interesting because they asked for a king. They did they ask for Shaul. him. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you have the judges mm-hmm. in Israel. And you have the five kings of Edom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Shaul, the first king of Israel. Mm-hmm. And if we keep that comparison going, who is the king in, in Edom at the time? Saul. Shaul. Shaul, again. Right. And so um, um, I, I think that there's there's a Shaul in mm-hmm. Israel and there's a Shaul in Edom, which is just kind of interesting, right? A Saul in both. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Baal Hanan, which means Baal is gracious. Bad name. Yeah, bad name. <laughs> uh, the, he's the he's the what the seventh king, uh-huh. which represents a complete cycle, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Number seven, and uh, he becomes king. and And uh, there's a story in the the time when David is king where he destroys Edom mm. and takes them over. Mm. And so, uh, uh, once you get to that seventh king, a complete cycle, David, the the true king, destroys Edom mm-hmm. and uh, t- takes over. And so now the kingdom is basically dead. Then Solomon becomes king. And then the rebel who rises up against him in 1 Kings 11 is Hadad. Hadad. Right? So all of that is, is projected here, yeah, that's right? Cool. In this. Um, and so I think that's what's going on. And it's very detailed, but, but you have to admit it's pretty cool. Yeah, it right? is really interesting. And so then from the time of Solomon onward in the kingdom, there is now a reestablished kingdom of Edom mm-hmm. because uh, Hadad took that Rebelled. from, well, Hadad was raised up by God, the Bible says, yeah. to take it from Solomon yeah. as a punishment for his apostasy. Yeah. Right? And uh, so, you know, the, why are these genealogies here? Why are they kind of scattered like this? Well, because they're, they're telling us something. Mm-hmm. Not only are they comparing Israel and Edom, they're also pointing to the future of and showing us what it's going to be like mm-hmm. as we go through the story of the kingdoms. It's cool. 
So yeah, it's very cool. Um, how about, let's just finish up uh, 40 through 43. These were the chiefs descended from Esau by name, according to their clans and regions. Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Ohalabama, Elah, Hanan, Kanaz, Timan, Mibzar, <laughs> Magdiel, and Aram. These were the chiefs of Edom, according to their settlements in the land they occupied. This is the family line of Esau, the father of the Edomites. So this is like a different list of chiefs than we looked at earlier. there's like some other guys in there. And now there's actually only 11 sheikdoms here, Yeah, right? It was just kind of confusing. And so I think what's going on here, if what I said before is correct about Hadad, Mm -hmm. is that this is the list of regions after Hadad defeats Solomon and the Edomites reestablish their Mm -hmm. kingdom, right? So the original one of 14 is prior to David, destroying the mm, kingdom. So we think this is after and then when I they think were this reestablished. After, right? Because okay. why would you give a list of 14 chiefs and then go through a history of Sire and then go through uh, a history of yeah. the kings and then give another list of chiefs that's different, right? Correct, Like yeah. the biblical authors are not stupid. So yeah. what, are they, what are they trying to do? I think it has to do with the timeline, mm-hmm. right? So there's 14 sheiks, which means 14 regions, just like there was in Israel. Then they kind of go through this this thing and David takes over Edom. And then uh, when Hadad rises up against Solomon, takes mm-hmm. it back. Now here's the new 11 sheikdom kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And so again, like I said, this is a, an insertion by a later writer. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons we talked about when we discussed the reliability of scripture way back when in one, one of, of our first, first episodes, episodes yeah. this in no way detracts from the inspiration of scripture, yeah. right? Uh, to believe that scripture is inspired is not to believe that God puts words into someone's head and they write it out in like some kind of trance. trance. Yeah. Yeah, Like some kind of automated thing. Um, It it is the process that God uh, creates, forms, shapes people, speaks to them um, and prepares them, Mm -hmm. right? To, 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 To write down what was written in these scriptures. And so one of the things about inspiration that especially when we really like people who really want to care a lot about inspiration, they actually end up cheapening inspiration, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you really believe the Bible is inspired, that that means that the entire process of it being put together is inspired. Mm -hmm. So the initial history Mm -hmm. plus what was initially recorded, plus what was later added, plus what was later edited, plus how it was all ordered together Mm -hmm. and confected into the, what we the, have yeah, the councils now. to decide what books, all of it. Yeah. All of it is is yeah. inspired. I mean, you like if you believe in the inspiration of scripture, you, that is actually what you're saying you believe in. Uh-huh. And so a lot of times people uh, really want to say like, no, like Moses wrote all of this. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's true because I believe in the inspiration of scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Moses did not write all of this. Mm-hmm. He didn't write about his death after he died. Right, correct, yeah. And that in no way impacts the reliability or the inspiration of scripture, yeah. right? Whoever came in and just, I mean, and Matt, just think about what we just like uncovered in this uh-huh. in terms of history. Like it's very interesting. Uh, and um, whoever was doing that was obviously under the inspired mm-hmm. hand of God. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, so this is, uh, this is the history or the genealogy of the Edomites, the sons of Esau. And I think the main point to take away from this as we move forward is that Esau gets everything before Jacob. Mm-hmm. But in the end, Jacob ends up with the mm-hmm. inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so Edom is almost like a foreshadowing of Israel, yeah. right? In terms of time. And uh, 
uh, again, like I think it's possible that Jacob and Esau, Israel and Edom could have stood shoulder to shoulder like like Caleb and Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously that's that's not really how Jacob and Esau were. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's not really how yeah. Israel and Edom are. And we will sure. uh, talk more about that as we go forward. What's uh, what's Genesis 37? What's, what are we, what uh, are we the approaching? The dream, dream coat, oh. right? I think it's the coat. This is a this is an exciting episode, I think right? It is, yeah. Yeah, this is almost murder and then a selling into slavery, Siblings right? Yeah. At, at the highest degree, sibling yeah. rivalry. So that'll be exciting. So that'll be next week, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week on Story Simple Spirit. Mm-hmm.